The only two things in life that make it worth living. Oh, we got grins. Good and firm, feeling women. Hello, Jared. I don't need my name in the JB, how we doing? JB, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Like that? You know, no, not very few people actually point that out. Double JB, JB squared, JB squared. Uh, what do you think of our rolling today, man? You know I like this. You were in the car with me for three hours the other day. Yeah, and I believe genre. And I believe often the distance was in fact Luke and Bach, Texas. How you doing on this uh, Tuesday? I'm good. I'm, I'm I'm ready for the wind to lie down because it's annoying the daylights out of me. I can't keep the pool clean. Um, and uh, I'm really looking forward to the temperature breaking in the plus side. You know, it's just a little too chilly. It's just I'm not I'm not digging it. Okay, great for being Debbie Downer right out of the gate. I yep. get it. Okay, we're gonna move on from there. In fact, we've got topic for of today is the debt ceiling. You ready to go? <laughs> I am. Yeah, maybe on a different podcast, but I could, I could, I could, I could do an hour and a half episode on that as well. Well, I, I, I would encourage you not to. Um, we've got an incredible guest today that we will be getting to shortly. Um, that really looking forward to. Just you know, it's one of those names within our backyard here uh, that not only is uh, top of the pile within the St. Louis soccer community, but really nationally as well. And we'll be getting to him in just a second. Just want to do a quick recap. Uh, catch up. Uh, last episode, we had the Mr. Tom Ackerman uh, from Camo Exports. The sports director from Camo Exports. Yes. That's his official title. But now he's uh, ex-soccer dad podcast, Tom Ackerman. Yes. Um, which I'm sure he's super proud of. He seemed to have fun, though. I think he had fun. We asked about his kid. And basketball and coaching youth basketball and all that stuff. He lit up on the basketball side. I mean, he really went to the X and O's and he went down that he went down that rabbit hole. Yeah, he did. And I had no idea what he was talking about. And you two were like speaking Greek. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But he's excited about it. And kudos to him. I hope he I wish him nothing but the best um, with that youth girls basketball program. Yeah. Uh, He did have one of the uh, kind of the lines of this of the. of the pod so far, as far as of all all the guests, you, and you, you're kind of bouncing here. You know what I'm talking about? I or, do. Or what, go ahead. What, which do you think it was? Well, I think we um, were going down that road again, where we were kind of giving Sporting KC our friends on the other side of the state the right act, and they at to date they have three goals. And side note, they still have three goals. Um, and he <laughs> ten wanted, games in. Ten games in. Ten games in. And he wanted. Uh, I think what he said was, I think they may have more cease and desist letters than goals. That is true. That is very true. <laughs> <laughs> so, because they don't have a gentleman like on our show today that's arguably on the St. Louis Mount Rushmore of soccer. That no. um, they don't have that Kansas City guy. They don't have one like that. No, they have Toto. <laughs> Like the four-legged version. So we'll give him that. Um, Again, I mentioned in the last episode, you know, I really, really want to keep the anti-sporting KC rivalry thing high on the list of priorities. It's just not fun. They lost again. Mind you, we lost as well. But we're not losing as bad and as often as they are. And I just feel sorry for them. So we're we're not even going to waste time on them today. Um you guys have been great in supporting the show. Just keep doing it. Hit the follow. Give us a review. We really appreciate it. More importantly, send it to a friend. We all know those parents, that soccer dad, that soccer mom, or it might be a basketball dad or mom that they need a little bit of guidance on how to handle the sidelines. This show is kind of like um, sports psychology for parents, only cheaper. There's no copay. Nope. Nope. So share it around. We would really appreciate it. And now, I'm not even going to mess around anymore today. We're gonna, we're without further ado, we're gonna we're gonna jump right into our guest today. Um, and again, if you're in your car driving along, you already know who it is. But for those of you listening and not paying attention to the screen, we have a U.S. Soccer Hall of Famer as well as obviously St. Louis Soccer Hall of Fame. Um, I'm just gonna say your name. And we're going to roll in. We're going to talk about everything that you ate everywhere in the world. 
Mr. Altros. How are you today? I'm just I'm just great. I'm glad to be here. Well, we we appreciate it. You know, it's um, uh, our friend Steve, your uh, nephew through your wife. Mm-hmm. Um, he had been listening to the show, and uh, out of the blue, I, I I believe it was like a couple months ago, we get this text message. I, I mean, we're friendly. You know, we we all see each other. I mean, you know how it is out here at the fields. You kind of know everybody. But then you leave and you're like, oh, I don't really know that person. <laughs> and he texted us and he's like, hey, would you like Al Trost on your show? And I believe Jared's reply was, fuck yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We're not on the radio. Don't worry. <laughs> so he, he was all about it. We're really excited. Um, so thank you for joining us. Um, well, I'll, I'll be honest with you. When Steve called me to tell me I was going to be uh, on the uh Soccer Dad Pod. Yeah, there we um, I was impressed. I thought, well, I have to listen to it first. <laughs> and I tell you what, I was impressed because the guys, you guys, run a really, you know, the soccer culture of St. Louis. You obviously have played the game, and because uh, I didn't know what I was walking into, <laughs> um, but I'm looking forward to it. Well, you know, thank you. I mean, that's you, you, you have. Uh, um, you're the first person that's actually admitted that we know what the hell we're doing. So <laughs> we've had quite a few people that have uh, uh, tuned in. But, um, you, you know, we always, I, I personally, I, do a, I, don't, I don't do a ton of research. I usually rely upon uh, the stories through the community. And you know, I've, I've known uh, of you for a long, long time. Uh, your name is rung at the, you know, again, at the top of the ladder with gentlemen like Jim Leaker and uh, and the like. And so when I took a quick peek today, just kind of going through the timeline, I mean, it's just a phenomenal resume. Um, you know, you, you, you start off, where I want to start is where you started off. What is in the water in North County <laughs> back in the, uh, you know, the, the early mid-60s? Because you, uh, you came from McClure North, correct? Uh, I taught at McClure North. Taught at McClure North, right. but you were. From- I actually no. I actually grew up in North City. Okay. I, I'm the youngest of six uh, boys. Wow. And um, my older brother Tom, who played, he actually was probably the best player of all of us. But he played at St. Louis University also. He was on the 1959 team that won the first NCAA, you know, Division One. And I can remember because I lived like two blocks off of Fairgrounds Park. And I can remember St. Louis U used to play many of their home games down at Fairgrounds Park, and they used to put up a, a tarpaulin around the field, you know, so that there was a pay gate. And so uh, me and a few of us others that were like 9, 10, 11 years old would sneak under the pay gate to go watch my brother play. Wow. And that's how I kind of grew up with the game because of my five older brothers. So then if you were in North City, was uh, McDermott one of your rivals? At a uh, at a fellow parish, or did you guys cross paths? No, we we ended up. Uh, that's that's a story too, because uh, I actually moved out of the city and moved out to Delwood, and at the time, uh, you probably heard his name. Dave Berwin was a mm-hmm. was a coach there at at, at the parish of Saint Philip Neri, and I grew up in Holy Rosary and Saint Engelbert, which, which were neighborhood parishes. Uh, CYC is a little bit different now, but. Back to, back in the day, the CYC was producing some pretty good soccer players. You don't sure. say. <laughs> yeah, we've heard about it. <laughs> so, so I was fortunate enough that that Dave uh, found me when I was pretty young, uh, eighth grade, and um, he he would actually he was a coach that actually would pick me up with a couple other other players and bring us down back into the city so that we could train down there with the pl- other players from St. Philip Neri, and uh, with his coaching uh, abilities that he had he was kind of like the the forerunner of everybody else he he was ahead of the game there and yeah. um he was committed and he just brought out the enjoyment of the game with me along with my teammates bill mcdermott was one of them yeah bill's a year older than me um but i was i was playing i guess i was at the time i was 14 or so and i was playing up with the 16 and 17 year olds um and kind of like what's probably done today a lot but uh yeah but it was just so happened that you know Dave was was great. He was just a great coach for me. So were you out of the gate early on? Um, were you soccer exclusive, or were you too a multi-sport athlete like so many of your peers? Well, uh, through grade school, elementary school, yeah, I played basketball and I played baseball. 
and uh, uh, my dad was a coach early on, and and uh, especially on my baseball teams, uh, I pitched and uh, I did pretty well growing up, and I got to a point where now everybody was hitting my pitches, and I thought, well, maybe it's time <laughs> to quit baseball. There you go. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you. But it was it was it was after when I got into high school, I kind of just focused on soccer. Well, let me ask you this because I mean you, you you're a large man. You're you were 62 as a player, um, you know, big body. Were you big early in high school, junior high, or did you bloom later in your career? No, I was uh I was around 6 foot. I was pretty frail, a lot frailer than what I am now. Uh, <laughs> uh but you know, I, I I just took to the game. Um Yeah. In high school, I I when I came out of the, of the grade school, I I actually went to the seminary. I went to Prep South uh, down at Shrewsbury at sure. the time, and uh, my intentions were to become a priest. So then, when did that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> because you didn't. The, I know for the the four years in, at Prep South was some of my greatest years. Really? You know, I had some great friends, and uh, about eight of my classmates are, are priests, monsignors. We have a couple bishops. Um, still get together with them, talk to them. Uh, got, in fact, I got a reunion coming up this month uh, with some of my classmates. Nice. And um, it's it's just it was just a great four years of my life. During senior year, I, I just kind of thought that the the priesthood was not for me, and mm-hmm. soccer had nothing to do with it. Um, Did girls have something to do with it? No, no, I hadn't met my wife. Uh, I knew of her, but I, you know, we weren't. Okay. That close. Okay. She she uh, just she had a little voodoo doll. She, she was <laughs> she was in the she, background. I got it. She actually lived like eight doors from Bill McDermott. Oh jeez. Uh, <laughs> hands off, Bill. Small world there. <laughs> so and that's how I got to meet her through through the friends of you know my teammates and stuff like that. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. So so then Slew comes knocking. Uh, or did you go knocking there? No, no. Uh, actually, I was recruited then when they found out I was leaving the seminary. I was recruited actually by Bob Gelker. Oh, uh, Bob Gelker was at St. Louis U, and um, uh, they 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 came and wanted me to go, and I said, "Well, you know, um, I can I can do it." And so he he decided in that summertime he decided to leave St. Louis U and go to SIU, right. which which you probably you heard. On previous podcasts, yeah, yeah, he, he went over to SIU, and uh, Harry Keel came in and, and took over at that particular time. Now you also heard that you know f- that back in the day, freshmen couldn't play. Yep. Um, so I was sitting out freshman year, and it was the next year when they allowed freshmen to play. Uh. <laughs> so I got a still, I still got a year. So of you, you were over two right out of the gate there. <laughs> I still so, got a year. Of but I mean, I mean, it, look, you go from Gelker to Kehoe, <laughs> you still win in the coaching yeah. realm. Well, that's not fair. Mike Siri and Don uh, uh, Counts gets get they get to play their freshman year. Oh yeah, and you didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah. those those years, you guys, you guys ended up winning two national championships, correct? That's correct. Sixty-nine um, and seventy. So, what was happening for you as a player on that team? You know, here from what we know to be the mecca domestically, <laughs> uh, what was going through your head? Because obviously, you know, if you were considering the seminary. Uh, and, and going into priesthood, you're, I, I would assume you're a very cerebral individual. And as you're playing the game at a really, really high level and you start to win at the highest level, what's going through your mind as a player as far as what you want to do with the game next? Or did you think about that? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I did not. Uh, all I wanted to do was be as competitive as I could. You know, and I had great teammates. It was fun to play. It was actually fun to work hard, fun to play. And I keep telling, you know, my kids and the kids I coach, you know, you you want to make it fun. Yeah. And um, uh, I I just I don't know if I can answer your question, but but once I put on that uniform for St. Louis U and I knew the tradition that I was stepping into, um, we were going to do everything that we can to, to win the game. <laughs> That's awesome. You so, know, my, so my sophomore year, we, we and, and I think you heard on a previous broadcast because Jim Leaker came back and, yep. and played, and we lost. Uh, um, so he was a year older than me, but we lost to uh, Maryland and uh, my sophomore year, and I was just a young sophomore. Um, but we had, some, we had a really, a really good team um, as we did the next year. But, we, 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 you know, it's just one of those games. We didn't – we didn't – we were – 
we were committed that we yeah. didn't want to let that happen again. That was the last game I lost in college. Holy shit, that's so awesome. Junior and senior year, we did not lose a game. Well, that's kind of impressive. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that because yeah, I didn't know with that the likes was... of Michigan State and all those guys that you guys are yeah. battling mm-hmm. back and forth. And yeah, I well, mean, okay. That's... So, so, so you're, you're focused on the in the moment. Um, at the end of those two years, though, you're awarded the Herman Award, uh, which for those of you that are listening, that's the Heisman. That yeah. is the Heisman for NCAA soccer at the highest level. Um, when you found out the first time, what was your reaction? Did, were you, was it a big deal to you at the time, or were you kind of like, "Great, let's get to my senior year"? You know, where was your head at when you re, when you when you won the first time? Um, gee, that, another good question. I, I I took it I took it as uh, as everybody does. You you take individual awards because you're on a good team, mm-hmm. you know. So. Um, I, I, as far as I'm concerned, I represented the team. And nice. my junior year, we just had a great, we just had a really good year. Uh, a lot of leftovers from, from my sophomore year and a lot of players that, you know, my junior year, uh, Billy McDermott was a, a senior and, and Steve Frank and Gary Renzing. And, and then we had a good sophomore class that came in, you know, Mike Seary, uh, Danny Counts and those players that you just mentioned. Yeah. So we had really a good group uh, junior year. Um, and senior yeah, and year even seems just as good. I mean, with those guys getting old, you know, the counts in the series getting yeah, older. Yeah, and we lost a good group of seniors. So the big worry that we had now as seniors was was that or these freshmen that are coming in that Harry recruited. Yeah, some of them were Southsiders. So right away it's uh, like uh, uh, right right away. That's like the, how good are these Southside players? Oh, uh, that's like the Crips in the blood coming <laughs> yeah, to yeah, university. Yeah, Let yeah. me ask but you this: it, they were pretty good though. They were pretty good. Do the names Ralph Sampson, Bill Walton, or Archie Griffin mean anything to you? Uh, a little bit, yeah. A little bit? Yeah. So for our listeners, Archie Griffin was a famous quarterback in Ohio State, mm-hmm. mid-70s, a um, little after your era. Ralph Sampson, center, Virginia. Bill Walton, center, UCLA, in your era. Those, so we got major sports in this, in this country. Those, the Naismith Awards, the best college basketball player, the the Heisman is the best college football player. Those names I mentioned are the only repeat winners of those awards, meaning that Archie Griffin was the best college football player two years in a row. Walton and Sampson won it three years in a row. You won two uh, Hermans. I mean, there are some other kids that have won multiple Hermans. Uh, my Siri, yeah, right yeah, afterwards. Mm-hmm, sure. Um, Dan Counts, Counts, St. Louis yeah, University had yeah. five years in a row. That's just unprecedented. I mean, just think about that. You won the top college soccer player two years in a row, and the history of those sports collegiately in our in our they've only had three total players win the best player award twice. Yeah, I, I mean, I want that's to, freaking I want, amazing. I'm going to add on to that and actually present the the question that I've been thinking about. You win, you won it twice. You were the first one to, to win it twice, and then you had a, a teammate win it mm-hmm. twice right after you. You had to have known, I'm at the top of the pile. Like, and it goes back to the question I asked you a little bit earlier. When, as a player, you're reflecting on where you were at. When you won the second one at the end of your senior year, and you knew, uh, you know, there's no more college ball for you. Um, where was your head at, and what 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 came next? Because clearly, you know, pro teams are knocking at the door. Hence, this the next phase in your career. Where 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 were you at? mentally at that time well from a soccer point of view um it was a question to me because uh the vietnam war was hanging over everybody's head and i was in the first lottery and so i was had a low number so my thought was gee i'm gonna get out of college i don't want to be drafted so fortunately enough i joined the national guard and uh after basic training um well, the, the, the Olympics were going to come around. So everybody said, I'm going to try out for the Olympic team. So that's what I did. Um, and fortunately enough, uh, you know, it worked out. And I made the Olympic team in, in 1971, early 1971, late 1970. Um, Reunited the, with Gelker as well. Yes. Which yeah. is great. That's yeah. got to be bittersweet. Yeah. And it was, it was kind of a very competitive <laughs> tryout because now it's a little different where you got your – 
network of coaches, you know, that are sending players that are putting players. And at the time, this was all amateur. So, uh, so you're basically what they did is they they divided the United States up into four regions, and each of the four regions had tryouts. And then the the final tryout, the players that made the regional team came together for four regional teams came together over at SIU since Kalker was a coach, came over to SIU to to have a final tryout to to pick the team, and uh, we were fortunate enough to have a number of St. Louisans beside me. You know, on the team, Mike Siri, mm-hmm. uh, John Carenza, Buzz Demling. Did you rub Gilliam. it? In, did you rub it in a little bit that he decided to leave after recruiting you? You know, <laughs> no, no. See, we see what you missed, Coach. No, <laughs> no I have great admiration for Gelk. He, he was a great guy. Well, so let me ask you: was it, there was there a correlation then? Um, because clearly, you you have uh, you know we we've been talking for roughly twenty minutes here. Uh, it's clear you have a moral compass. And, you know, in, in that era with Vietnam and you knew your lottery number and you joined the guard and all that, was um, playing for your country, was that, was that motivational from an emotional standpoint? Or was it just, was, it, were the, was the path to the Olympics about the competition more so? Where did that all come into play? Oh, I, th- I think it was all about playing for the country. I think for me, anyway, the North American Soccer League was around, and I was drafted when I was in college, like when I was sophomore year, I was at, drafted by the Stars, and I and I just kind of put that off because I wanted to finish college. Uh, I made the Olympic team, so I put it all off because right then, for me, the Olympic team was the most important thing. Uh, it meant, gosh, the world to me. And uh, were those games in Munich? They were seventy-two games. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna. Uh, I, that's. I was getting there because, um, you know. Again, this is this is why I love not doing my research because I'm flabbergasted by your demeanor here and kind of you know this uh, the the character that you're exhibiting uh, because I'm a history junkie, political junkie to boot. Um, I, I I know from the books and from movies and television and you know what what you know what occurred but you lived it and and um you know for those of you that don't know Munich Games was where the Israeli uh athletes were taken by PLO members right and ultimately they were all eight of them eight, yeah. yeah all eight of them assassinated were yeah um how did that affect you you know, being you know who who you're, you're over village. there to play the game. I mean, yeah, because you guys, I believe McDermott uh, or somebody on an earlier episode was talking about how the U.S. Uh, apartments or where you guys are staying, you guys are very very close to we the were. Israeli we're team, right next to each other. Yeah, the the I guess when I reflect back on it, uh, what had happened is we we were. Um, uh, we started our elimination rounds early, okay? One of the reasons Gelks didn't want us to go to the opening ceremonies was because we had a game the next day. So he kind of like banned all the players, like you can't go to opening ceremonies. Well, some players said, well, the heck with you. I'm going to the opening. <laughs> yeah. I'm in the freaking Olympics. I'm going to the air <laughs> yeah. ceremony. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If so, I'm not there, my parents aren't going to believe that I'm there, so they got to see me. <laughs> we need the so, photo. So, so we started the games. We started our first round right away. Uh, the elimination, we... we we tied Morocco our first game, and we played Malaysia next. And and we thought going into the game we got a chance to to advance here uh, if we do well against Malaysia. Well, we lost to Malaysia I think three one or two one, and we, that should have never happened. And now we got to face the home team, which was at that at that time West Germany. Oh. Um, and, <laughs> I've and, heard uh, that was uh, Beckenbauer. Would no, 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 no. These are amateurs. Yeah. Oh, These oh, are oh, all oh amateurs. okay. But they had in those years. They had six, I think, uh, Bundesliga players considered the amateurs that that played uh, for the West German team, and and they probably were. So <laughs> yeah. So uh, we lost seven seven nothing. Um, and um, our goalkeeper Shep Messing from from New York, Cosmos fame. You know, I mean, he just had an outstanding game. It could have been double figures. Wow. Um, but but when that happened, and after that happened, most of the players decided we're gonna kind of like do some. We're out of it. We didn't advance. We're gonna do some sightseeing. And my wife was fortunate enough to be over there with a group. And so we got back together. We decided to go to Vienna. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, to do, uh, to do some, oh yeah, and Sound and Music was filmed there, right in the Austrian go. Alps. Yeah, yeah. Sal- Salzburg. Yeah. yeah, in between the two. And, and when I say we, her and I, a couple other players, and, and players kind of like we split up. Everybody wanted, somebody wanted to go to the swimming meet. Somebody, you know, we just wanted to do other things and and maybe do some traveling. Well, that's we were on the bus going to Vienna when the news came down what was happening back in the village. Now understand that 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 the village at the time the Olympics started, um, the security was was pretty much non-existent. These guys wore blue like blue suits around. Yeah. No weapons or nothing, you know. So it, it was you know you can just travel in and out of the village. All you had to do was show your ID or show your lanyard or whatever else that you had. Uh, my wife actually put on my sweat top, and she was able to get into the village. So, um, so it was kind of really that kind of lax. Yeah, pre nine eleven, there isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so. so when we came back after got the news, and we we decided, well, we're going to continue our travels. It's everything is closed down. The Olympics are stopped. You know, we're going to find out whether they're going to continue or not. So at at the end of our travels, we came back, and it was a whole different atmosphere, obviously. Because you got to see the armed guards, you know, all around, and wow. it was very difficult getting back into the village, and and it was just by that time they had, uh, well, what had happened? They got the the terrorists out and took them to the airport, and that's where everything yep. happened at the airport. Yep. Yeah, you remember? But it was it was quite an experience. It was quite an experience. Well, let's let's shift to the soccer a little bit. Go back just a little bit. The uh, West German game, seven nothing. <laughs> Thanks. Have you? Well, no. I gotta ask the question. Had you ever lost a game that bad in your life? You know, outside of C- youth CYC. I mean, because obviously, you know, going into high school and into college, you were playing at a very, very high level. No. Uh, no. Was that the first time that you no. really just got your teeth kicked no. in? Yeah, yeah. We, we we were, you know, one of the things I, I guess I look forward to playing in soccer because it's it's it's, it's an international game, and I love playing against other other cultures and other teams and um you know we we learned that we were not as good as what we thought us americans you know uh so it, it was uh I think it that was lessons <laughs> that lesson is continuing today at times. <laughs> I, was, I was gonna say are we talking about 2022 world what are we talking about here we're talking about 51 years ago and i think we have a lot of the same yeah we, but, i mean but, that yeah, yeah I mean, just, they, you, they okay, I, I just want to finish the story yeah no go ahead go no finish finish no, no the, just, but the experience of just uh, going into the munich uh stadium which was just built brand new um uh barn munich was going to use it as their home field and which they did uh it was just walking onto the pitch the pitch and looking up at the stands because you could not see the stands. There was 80,000 people in the stands, but the lights were so bright. It was just incredible because uh, I think the press and the people in Germany were really coming down on their home team. I don't know if they didn't do too well in their first couple of games, not as well as they thought they would, and so they were going to try and bury us, and they did. <laughs> so so then let's, let's shift gears then. Um, all of that plays out in Germany. You 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 have the experience of the Olympics, the highs and the extreme lows of, of, of what happened with the Israeli athletes and traveling with your wife and you know playing West Germany and playing in that stadium. All of that happens, um, and then you come home. Um, and according to your Wikipedia page, <laughs> don't believe everything you read yeah, on Wikipedia. I don't. I, I use it as a reference and usually okay. let the people correct it. <laughs> so, uh, in ASL, uh, you had already been drafted, uh, and it looked as if looks as if it was time for you to go pro. So, talk about that that flight home and the transition. You know, what what was your mindset? What were you looking to accomplish next? Um, you know, you, the the first team and, you know, kick that off for us a little bit. Well, um, you know, obviously I was going to play in St. Louis. It was, you know, the, the, the I was drafted there and we had a, quite a few players playing St. Louis and playing already on the stars uh, with an added few of the foreigners that would come, that would be brought in. Um, and we struggled the 73 is, is the first year I, I played, and we struggled for the first couple of years. 75, we had a really good team. Um, 
but my impressions of the North American Soccer League, as I, I really didn't have any impressions. All I wanted to f- believe is that we, we've got to get better in this game, you know, and I'm a competitive person. Although you might not know it, but I think I think the trophy says what made it for me was that was that when we would play against teams that would br- bring in a lot of high class foreigners, you know, Cosmos were one of them, but they were all through the league. I guess I wanted to prove to myself uh, that that and for St. Louis that that uh, we got to get better, and I want to compete against these guys, and I think. That realization kind of helped me raise my game. So, so when you when you were when you came back and you entered the league in, in that first year, was there an uh, aha or an, another bright light moment when you looked at the other teams and the names that were on those teams? Uh, you know, who were the names that stood out to you? You know, in that first year. And what what were you what were you looking to experience from being on the field with them, or who did you want to meet? Well, I I think as I, I, I can't remember that first year, but as the first couple of years started evolving, um, you know, George Best came over, great player. <laughs> Johan Cruyff came over, um, which is you know, and then and then Pele was at it. You know, added from the to the Cosmos and Beckenbauer and Carlos Alberto, and it it, it all of a sudden, um, you know, the league started really opening up the purse strings and spending a lot of money on bringing in a lot of lot of really good, outstanding international players. And um, uh, so, it, it, go ahead. Well, being that North City chippy St. <laughs> Louis kid, um, you know, when you see the likes of a Cruyff. And a Pele, obviously, you know, did you, did you feel like you had something to prove uh, internally, or did you was was the team a tight knit team that you were, you know, driving the bus and so much that you're like, hey, let's let's do this, let's take it to them, you know? How, no, was, I, it, was, I, it, was I, it was it was it again bright lights, or were you guys confident? I think the more more of the confident, you know, we want well. A little bit of both, I guess, I think, because we wanted to, you know, show the rest of the league that we're basically a St. Louis core team. Uh, but we we still felt like, hey, we got to be competitive and we right. got we got to start raising our game and give it our all so that, you know, we St. Louis deserves this. So, uh, so I mean, that's kind of, we had a pretty good year, 75, got into the playoffs. And so. who Who is the, who is the one player though? That just was you know, put you in awe, like impressed you the most out of the best in Pele and Cruyff. You know who who stood out to you? I, I think those two players. You know, I think Pele. We played against. I think I think I played against him four or five times. Oh wow! Um, you know, I mean That's his 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 vision on the field was just incredible. I mean, besides his skill, and you would think everybody thought it was you know he was over the hill. Far from it. Um, and Cruyff was another player that just had just magical skills. I mean, get him cornered and he still got out of it. You know, it's who was just, the kid from uh, uh, Lazio, the, the Italian guy that came over that that played with the Cosmos? Uh, Chinaglia. Chinaglia. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, did you play big, against him? Yeah, big guy up top. Yeah, he and was. Uh, he was class too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He was tough to mark. He was, Holy moly! He was good in the air and he was. Just a, he he kind of reminds you of Klaus a little bit. Dude, really? You know, that's a good. Comparison. I think Klaus. I think Klaus works a little harder than Chinaglia did, but Chinaglia had a had yeah. a group of players around him that could get him the ball. You know, but he was good. <laughs> so so then you were you were uh, named an All Star, I believe, three times. Is that correct? Maybe. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, hold on. No, you're making notes here. No. Or I might have just totally blown that one. Nope, three times, according to Wikipedia. We can trust them at this point. Um, the all-star games. Um, was there an all-star game, no. or was it just straight no. a, 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 a... It came a little bit a later. Title. That yeah, came here's a title. Here's your accolade, bit. and let's let's move on. Got it, got it, got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it came a little bit later. There I wasn't think. enough money yet in the league. We'll have the all-star game <laughs> later. 
Um, no, that's amazing. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. Okay. Uh, and because what I want to do is maybe lean into the Cruyff reference a little bit uh, and talk about maybe some of the next phases in your soccer career beyond that, going into coaching. Because um, I believe Cruyff was pretty good at that, wasn't he? I Training he was. coach. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's the, what, father of Barcelona, basically? <laughs> uh, no, so. he's a, isn't he a father of, uh, uh, not, it's not Barcelona, is it? Yeah, he took over the academy way back in the day. Okay. Yeah. See, I don't know. I don't know shit about soccer. I well, I was just on the tour. That's the only reason I brought it up. So, we're gonna we're gonna roll out here. You good with that, Jerry? I'm good. <laughs> All right, Al. Thank you. We're gonna be right back. We're back. You like this one, Jared? Yeah, I do. Mercy, mercy me. So just real quickly, and then we'll get right back to you, Al, here in a second. But what you just did reminded me of a conversation I had last night with our uh, fellow carpool co-host, Zach Lewis. And we were talking about music, and he goes, do you know that Jared and Kelly can't sing in key ever that's not true <laughs> apparently it is because zach was a uh, baritone so he's a, a baritone pro. he's a baritone baritone scott and he <laughs> just because he sang a little bit in college doesn't give him the authority to critique um it's my own style it's 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 a, it's a, it's very good i admit that it is a unique style <laughs> <laughs> i can go I, hey i've been known to sing marvin gay Without the lyrics. Well, you just tried, and we have reference. Now it's on tape. <laughs> so when you go home and you listen to this one, you know, because I know you like to watch, you go to the film, right? And you check yourself out. I do. Y I do. You're not in key. It's okay, though. All right. Well. <laughs> All right, Al. <laughs> we told you there's not really rails that surround <laughs> this show. So. Um, again, thank you, thank you for joining us. This has been this has been awesome. Um, and you know, the the first part of our conversation, we really kind of got through what most people expect um, to hear when they when they see your name. If they're into St. Louis soccer, they see your name, they know uh, NASL, they know the Olympics. They <clears throat> excuse me, it's springtime pollen. Um, they know all that stuff. But second half of our show usually. We really dig deep. We peel that onion back a little bit, but we'll go. We'll go with the. We'll go with the softballs out of the gate. Uh, Jared and I were talking. Uh, we want to make sure and open the door now. Um, you've spent a tremendous amount of your soccer career on the sideline as a coach. A after playing, tell people where you started out coaching, and then let's then let's really. I want to focus on your high school years. And the reason is um, we are around and a lot of our listeners have kids that are uh, at that stage or coming into that stage. So let's let's hear a little bit about your coaching career, how you got into coaching, why you decided to get into coaching and talk about the teams that you've coached to date. Oh, my gosh. Um, wow. Coaching. Uh I tell you what, when when I finished when St. Louis the St. Louis Stars, uh, when the ownership bought into it from California and we moved out to California, I was one of the few players that they actually everybody up until that time had other jobs. You know, the old St. Louis Stars did. So when the team moved out to California, out to the California Surf, I was one of the few players they wanted out there to to do the camps, do the camps, do the clinics, go to the Kiwanis clubs, go to the everything and starting start the promotions going and I think that's when I really kind of felt in love with you know teaching working with kids yeah. and teaching yep. yeah when I when I first started doing that and uh, I did it the whole time while I was out in California I continued doing it when I was traded up to Seattle and played up there for three years um, and, and I just kind of I mean that that's kind of like if you're not playing anymore should be coaching <laughs> if you really have a passion for the game. And I did. So, um, so I, you know, I went to the coaching schools, uh, when I, when I quit playing, I went to the coaching schools and, um, 
and I was had the opportunity to come back to St. Louis to coach the Steamers. Um, and we did that for a couple years. Um, what, what, what years were you with the Steamers? 81, 82, 83. Name some names. Who, who was on the bench for you those years? And start with the... Steve Petcher. Oh, oh so you're starting at the bottom. Is that what you're <laughs> <laughs> Did you have Did you have Daryl as a young player? Uh, actually, yes. I actually drafted Daryl. You drafted Daryl? I drafted Daryl. And then yeah. he just quit last year, I think, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because the year prior, he, he could was play. MVP. He probably could have played last year. <laughs> he probably could have. <laughs> yeah. uh, what a great athlete. Yeah. Great athlete. So, so coaching the Steamers in particular... Um, you know, because you had uh, a, clearly a core of players that were from your own backyard. How fun was that? And was that just kind of a, an extension of your 314 pride, for lack of a better term? Um, it, how much fun was that? And, you know, what was some of your favorite memories from the, those? Because that was that was the old barn days, right? That, oh, yeah. That had to be yeah. a blast. Old barn yeah. sellout, well, pa- right? Pam McBride was a coach, and he went to Kansas City. And I, I came in and, and uh, you know, Petch was one of the captains and, you know, keep him as captain because he's, he's got it. Um, he meant so much to the team. Tony Bellinger, Carl Rose, Slobo Ilyevsky, um, you know, Don Ebert. Redmond they, Lane. Redmond Lane, yeah. The pocket rocket, Tony Glavin. Yeah. Um, it was a great camaraderie group. You know, and uh, and they were damn good. They, they sure and were. We, I mean, we, we were top of the class all the time. We yeah. could play indoor. Yeah, we we took the arrows to the championship game and lost. And um, the next year, you know, we were kind of like on the bubble, making the playoffs, and that was it for El Trost. <laughs> That was and, it. Oh, yeah. okay. and it's all Steve's fault. <laughs> no, 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 I'm just kidding. I, I think um, what what happened is we we made some player decisions that um, that that kind of disrupted that core of mm-hmm. players. And uh, so I you brought so you brought in somebody from Kansas City is what you did. <laughs> no, no, no. It's just you know it, those things happen. Yeah. When, when does and and, and 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 not that not that I disagreed or agreed. But um, the ownership at the time, and they had, we had great ownership, but you know they were in line with making certain decisions. Talk about uh, because we're going into this era. Because um, one of my fonder memories as a youth playing soccer in this city, uh, your indoor facility in the valley. Um, that was one of the better indoor facilities. First off, in the valley, and then why did it go away did, was it flood related yeah uh, um when did that open and you guys had some really really good high level youth tournaments there yeah so in 83 is when when i left the steamers i was put in contact with a number of partners that wanted to do this out in chesterfield valley so it took us a couple of years to get the get everything together and i had great partners in it and uh we built a really nice facility nice restaurant you know upstairs it was really first class and uh I know my parents like that nice restaurant upstairs because they like to, you know, we'd be running around for two hours after the game. We'd be like, can we go home, guys? No, we're going to have another beer. Yeah, Yeah, That was a good place. Yeah, and the the cook that we had up there was really good. He he made a deal actually with the Spirit of St. Louis, which was right – in that neighborhood for all the private jets, he would facilitate all the private jets and make all the box lunches for him and everything out of our facility. So he, wow. you know, he so was hustling down he there. Was, he was doing very well. And, and the flood kind of came along and the levee broke and flooded everything. And uh, actually I was out of town when it actually happened. When I came back in um, and I forget why I was out of town, but w- when I came back in, um, well, the summertime is notoriously slow for indoor facilities anyway. So when I came back in, um, the first thing I had to do was um, go to a certain spot, get into a boat, and take the boat out to the where the facility was, and we took nine feet of water, you know, inside the facility. Yeah, so it was completely it was completely wiped out, and uh, we just couldn't get the financing to get it back together. And and uh, what a but shame. we we like you said, we had some great tournaments out there, you know, it was, it was really 
It was really good. Does it ever amaze you, like, how much infrastructure and what's actually sitting in that valley right now after living through that flood? I know. It's just It's unbelievable. It's, 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 it's baffling. I yeah. mean, how many millions and maybe billions of dollars that would be lost if that happened again? <laughs> and I know they did the levy and they made it a 100-year levy or whatever they called it. 500-year. 500-year <laughs> levy. I mean, golly. I mean, what was there then and what is there now? Everybody knows it would be devastation. Yeah, yeah. So, so after after that all played out, um, you based on your timeline, that's about the time that you really got into high school coaching. That's when I got back to the teaching and coaching, right? Uh, and Parkway, yes. correct? Mm-hmm. Um, Parkway South High School. So, so just lay out for us uh, why Parkway South. And, you know, because I'm sure realistically, you probably could have put your you know, name in a hat virtually anywhere, uh, but you land at Parkway South. Uh, why Park- Parkway South and how much uh, fun or different was it going from pro Olympics and then you're coaching, you know, those jokers over at the barn and now you have all of these high school pubescent teens how, how'd, that, how'd that go early on? Okay, uh, long story short, uh, at the soccer club, um, the superintendent of Parkway had a couple young kids that played at the club. When all was lost, I ended up going to, uh, I ended up going to some meetings at Parkway, opened up some of their buildings for people who lost their businesses to come in and kind of get things organized and fill out all the financial forms and and that's when I met the superintendent came over to me and said, you know, can we help you out? We know you got a teacher certification. Can we put your name out there? And he put my name out the Parkway and Parkway South picked it up right away. Um, so I went, I went to Parkway South, interviewed for the, for the position of assistant coach. And so I was the assistant coach of the uh, boys team, the coach of JV team and, uh, and also on the girls team. A um, couple years later, the, the head boys coach retired, and I took over the head boys team. I think it was in ninety six, ninety seven. So in those years, I mean, you you know, St. Louis high school soccer was clearly uh, king of the mountain because the academy world hadn't developed into what it is today. And in those years, you had coaches like uh, Mickler and Villa mm-hmm. and Baker, et cetera. Um, were you, were you part of that circle or, you know, did you, you know, did you reach out to them? Did you engage with them or were you in your Parkway South world and just hyper-focused on the kids? I I was. And, and to be honest with you, yeah, I know Terry forever, total respect for him, Terry Mickler Mm -hmm. and, and the the other coaches. I, I think, uh, I was so wrapped up in here, I'm taking over a program a public school program anyway that didn't have a lot of club select players on it you know I had a few and they were the focus of your so the concentration of my time was was to bring the level of the players that I had you know that were interested in playing yeah um how long did I mean I guess I gotta ask this question for our listeners and just because it's 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 eating at me how long had Parkway South even had a soccer program in 94 93 I mean I they probably started in the late 80s, maybe. I mean, they, they probably hadn't been around for a whole hell of a long time. Well, the school opened up in 76. Did they have soccer so, immediately? I think so. Okay. Pretty sure. Okay. Well, that, I mean, but, that was also the days soccer-wise where you had your big four. You had DeSmet, CBC, yeah, Slu, right, Biani, right. You know, and then there was another ring just below that. And, and, and yeah. on the west side of the river, the public schools, they were really taken into the teeth. Because a lot of those club players <clears throat> or select players predominantly were going to the private schools. The private schools, exactly. You know, which which made it uh, a bit difficult. You know, so um, so I mean, I it turned out I loved it. And you're, yeah. I don't know if I answer your question, but I love coaching high school players. So and what? I, ki- and I just what I love teaching. What kind of coach were you? Because we 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 know. You know, we've all experienced, you know, in our own lives, you know, a multitude of different types of coaches, be it uh, the motivational kind, uh, the cerebral kind. Where were you? I'm, I'm going to guess you were probably an empathetic coach. <laughs> um, how did you lead with the kids and what was what was the, the North Star from a coaching perspective to your players? Wow. Um, good question. I, 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 to analyze myself, um, 
I don't know. I, I, I wanted to get the best out of my players, the most out of my players, just every coach says. Uh, I was willing to put up, you know, I'm, I'm not going to pull a player out because he makes a mistake. Uh, you can't yell at them because they know they made a mistake. Um, Especially at that I mean, age. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They know. They yeah. know. Yeah. Well, and you only so, had them for roughly three months out of the year. Yes. But you were a teacher. You yeah. were at the school, right? Mm -hmm. um, were you... And, and that and that was that was a fun part of it, you know, to see the players come into your room, you know, and and uh, you know during study hall or whatever else, and and come in and, and talk about the game we just played last night, you know, that's 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 just I loved it. Yeah. So that's great. So let's 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 keep shifting gears here a little bit because obviously. Um, you you have family members, younger family members uh, that that play at high level, you know, youth wise, club and academy, et cetera. And you've been around the game. You're on the sideline a lot around St. Louis soccer. You've seen this transition um, uh, picking up speed from those days of uh, you know high high school relevance club existed and then you know academy comes into its realm and uh flexes its muscle and fast forward to now where st louis in particular we do have you know three three academy clubs um what's what's your take on youth soccer you know again just from ten thousand foot view um you see what's going on um are you excited by it? Does it scare you a little bit about the pressures that the kids are under? You know, what what's the pros and cons as you see it, as it's developed here in 2023 from the past 20, 25 years? Well, it's, it's obviously a big difference. And I, I hate to put those kind of pressures on such young players. You know, I, I still wish that Number one, they like the players, they like the team that they're playing on, whether it's an academy team or whether it's a club team, um, and they feel like they're developing as a player. Um, and I think most players will will be able to fit in, like they know where they're at. You know, they they realize, well, I'm not at that level yet to play with the A team. I'm playing with the B team, but I'm going to keep working hard to get to that A team. Uh, and they still love the game. Um, and there's I mean, you really have to know your son or daughter uh, to 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 find out where they where they where they are on that spectrum. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, how how did you handle that? I mean, at at a not disrespectful way, but at a lower level at Parkway South. <clears throat> excuse me for your varsity boys. You know, because clear it's public school. Parents are engaged. How did you handle that? Whenever those quote parents would come your way with. Uh, coach, what about his playing time? Or you know, how how did you deal with that? Ooh, uh, good question again. I, I think generally speaking, uh, you know, you're you're gonna play the players that you think are gonna help the team the most. Okay, in the position that they're gonna help the team the most. Um, if there's some players that are borderline, I mean, from a high school, from their from my level, I gotta sit down individually and talk to that player and say, this is where I see you. Okay, and this is where you need to tell your parents. And if your parents come to me, and I'm going to basically say, "Is hey, we had a discussion with them, and this is what I told them." Mm -hmm. He might be telling you something different. Okay, <laughs> you know, so put the not to blame, but put the onus on the kid. You know, like this. This is what I told them. If if you don't agree with that, well, you know, I'm sorry. You Full know, transparency. I'm, yeah. Let me ask you this. Uh, put you on the spot a little bit. Because we've had multiple people on the show um, involved in all levels of girls soccer and in boys soccer. You coaching both girls and boys at the Parkway South. Which gender do you like coaching the best? <laughs> uh, do I like? Um, and there's probably they're both I'm different. Gonna, you probably like both from each they side. They are different. Yeah. Yes, they are different. Um, and you got to approach them different. You know, okay. the, the girls obviously want to know exactly what they. What they did wrong, what they did right, they you got to pat them on the back. Well, not literally, but you gotta you gotta bring them up a lot. You sure. know, yep. uh, the boys not so much. You know, I, I I think they can read the room a little bit. Uh, yeah, that's okay, a good way to put it. Okay, um, and 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 I guess you got to be more specific and exact with the girls. Like if you're playing this position, this is what I'm look to get out of you. I, I 
you got to be more specific. Boys, you can kind of freelance with. From a stylistic point at Parkway South, when you were coaching in your heyday with boys and girls, did you play the same formation in the same style on both sides, or did no. you did you have your kids come through the program yeah. and adjust accordingly? That's exactly right. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, it it changed. It, it really changed. What do you think about clubs I, or high schools or um, academies playing one? Um, style from top down and that's the way they're going to roll just like what's your take on that like uh, you know whether it's from under 12 to under 19 boys or girls we're going to play one style and that's how we're going to play I don't know I don't know about that I I think it probably has some benefits but I think every player and the culture of every team is a little different all the time and and maybe a different style or um a different uh, formation, whatever. Well, so, you, so back in your day, did you guys, you know, for those slew teams, for your Olympic team, um, did you have a style, or was it was it was it you know compare and contrast the two, and did that affect your decision making as a coach with your own styles? No, generally speaking, we we pretty much played a four four two, you know, sometimes a four three three, but generally four four two, and. Uh, uh, we kind of played that in college a lot, and it, and it was possession based, or yeah. was it direct get the yeah. ball forward? And no, it was possession based. Okay, yeah. So speaking of the alternative style, let's talk about our bright, <laughs> shiny new toy, um, the team we all love, uh, know and love well, uh, City SC. Um, you know, we we've had the privilege on the show to have a lot of individuals that are your peers, uh, that have that have uh, checked a lot of boxes. Maybe not as many boxes as you, but quite a few boxes. And I love getting their take, and I can't wait to hear yours on what City SC m- means to you, from a standpoint of when we were awarded the team, uh, your first. Uh, visit to the stadium Hell to yeah. a game. That's what I, I can't wait because I just I, I can't wait to get your take on and, and first arrival. When you you know you we've waited forever you know for within this particular league and and I get it. NASL was here. You were part of that. MLS is different. It, it, it clearly is growing and accelerating at a pace that probably most did not expect. But how does it make you feel after all these years? for St. Louis to be at the table, and what does this team mean to you uh, out of the gate? Oh, I, I think it's just it's just amazing. You know, I, I think uh, it, it, for, for, for when, I came out of, when I came out of playing, it was like, well, maybe 20 years down the road. Well, it might be 30 years or it might be 40 years, you know, but it seems like we've, we've, a re, we've really reached that point, and it's really nice to see um, a lot of our young, you know, young American players. We know that, you know, the foreign players that, that came in, mm-hmm. you know, the style that they're playing, mm-hmm. uh, the coach Bradley's got them, you know, sold on this style and, and they're successful. It's working. It. It's working. Yeah. I mean, he's got the players to do it and that's, that's wonderful. Yep. Um, and I, and I, and I see through the league, you know, I'm, I'm watching more and more American players getting the opportunity than we had seen in previous years, you know, playing on other MLS teams. And, and that's really good a good sign for our World Cup team. So being, being again, a 3-1-4, <clears throat> um, having, you know, you, you, clearly you probably had one eye on the league from the get-go uh, after the uh, World Cup in, in 94. Yes. Um, how proud were you, and I'm going back just a little bit, how proud were you as a St. Louis and seeing from those early days um, the likes of t- the Twelmans, of the Davises, et cetera. Ralston. Yeah, all the St. Louis players that even though we did not have a team, Pat. that we in- we made an indelible mark on the league without one. Um, and now that we have one, you know, talk about just, you know, and really I need a soundbite because I'm going to send this to our friends in Kansas City. <laughs> Tell them why we deserve this. <laughs> well, I, I think just because of the tradition that we had in St. Louis, you know, all these years with all the players that we furnished throughout the league and throughout the colleges, major colleges, uh, for what we, we've done for the for, for soccer in general, uh, the soccer culture in the United States. Uh, I just think St. Louis is, 
long overdue, you know, to be called the soccer, true soccer capital of the United States. <laughs> it's getting be, redundant. I, it, um, uh, yeah, I mean, you can take that a step further because I, I really want to cease and desist. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting redundant how far a little we, bit. Because <laughs> I have to ask you this question cause we've, uh, because I, I truly believe it's people like yourself and your peers and the people before you are the reason, now granted it took a while, that you guys are the reason, along with the ownership group that cares, and they're the, the financial, of course, you know, they jump that hurdle. You guys are the reason we have that facility. We have this um, aura about our town. Um, when I walked into that stadium the first time, I was overtaken because of all the people that put their blood, sweat, that- tears into it that couldn't experience You've got to experience. What did you think when you walked into that stadium? Wh- whether it was Leverkusen when it was minus five, or whether it was that the rain first delay, or whatever that first game is, you got to walk into that stadium when it was amped up and juiced up with those lights and that smell. What did you think? That was it. Was just a great experience, just to see this stadium. Uh, well, obviously, I appreciate your comments. I really do. Um, but obviously, it's it's going to take a lot of sponsorships and a lot of money. And I think I think the ownership group is really, you know, Carolyn Kindle is really and and Kavanaugh and oh, they just they just did everything first class, which St. Louis needed to have done. And and I I just love to see it. I I, I was I was sitting up in the stands at the Leverkusen game, and I had my camera out almost the whole time while everything was going on. My my phone. And, <laughs> taking pictures the whole bit, you know, in the supporter group. And it was just, it was just a, truly a delightful to see. Yeah. Well, it, bring, I, it brought back a lot of good memories. I'm sure know, it did. Of those 5,000 people we had at our games in the St. Louis stars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I saw at the, um, uh, two games ago, I saw Jim Leaker walking around in his green coat. Yeah. I would like to propose an idea. I think all of you guys should walk around in your green coats at home games. It just came to me. I was thinking about like this. the Team Noonan shirts. Yes, yeah. Like if all if all the soccer Hall of Famers that go to the game. Because have you missed a game yet, or do you, are you going to every game? Are you season ticket holder? Uh, I am. I split them with my brother, so okay. he's made a couple, and I've made a couple. And that's going to be uh, ninety pretty soon brought. too. So it might be a little warm with that. Um... I will hire people to carry fans. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it'd be great to see you guys walking around in the green jackets, right? Because because yep. it is one of those things that uh, you guys kind of hide in the shadows there, and you guys are a part of the foundation. And I just want to I, I want to add on top of what Jared just said because you made a comment replying that it takes a lot of sponsorship money, big investment. But sponsors in all events, whether it's a music festival or or a soccer stadium, they're looking for a good investment. They want to know that they invest into something in which there is a market. And you guys created that market. The reason why the Taylors went you know, neck deep into this and are killing it and ultras involved and Purina and everybody else is because they're all from here. They know that there's individuals like yourself that 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 created the culture. And, you know, and, and it's kind of protruding through onto the field because, yes, the vast majority of those players, they didn't grow up here. And, they, you know, they, they just figured out what Provel was, you know, a couple months ago. <laughs> but I just want to say kudos to you, you and your peers, because I legitimately believe it doesn't happen like this if it weren't for all the, the decades of what you guys have done. I really appreciate your comments. I, I you know, it just just to add on to that this weekend. The team plays in Dallas, and and the 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 Dallas uh, ownership of the of the Hunts, uh, they do everything first class. They they uh, they've added the soccer National Soccer Hall of Fame to their stadium, uh, and it's really cool to go through. Yeah, we were just um, that youth facility yeah, we were right there, there is just off the charts. Yeah, they got like a little like a squiggly walkway through there mm-hmm. where they got these little headstones of like all the people, the Bobby Rines, the, mm-hmm. the just all of the people that, and they have a little tribute to them, which they have a deep history there as well. And well, it's, you're right. Go just, ahead. Just to tell you on Saturday when, uh, when we're there as part of the national soccer hall of fame, uh, they recognize us at the banquet, uh, Landon Donovan's being inducted. Demarcus Beasley's being inducted. And, nice. And Lauren holiday, She's being inducted, Jill Ellis, but uh, and Slobo, and not Slobo, uh, uh, Stevie Sungle okay. from the New Steve York Heroes yeah. is, yep. is being inducted. 
but they have the banquet reception and then at the game in the evening they they will probably introduce all the hall of famers that are there at halftime they'll march us out of the field and and uh so it's they they like it they it's a class outfit uh, it's really and I and I know we're going to be doing that in St. St. Louis. Too. Oh okay so wait, wait a second. So you're going down there the games in Dallas. We play Dallas, right? It's St. Louis That's correct. this weekend. And I don't know how they're going to appreciate me wearing my city gear, but you know, <laughs> so let's well, if all the St. Louis members that are present, I mean, you guys are going to take up what the right third of the field. That's going to be a supporters group. <laughs> it will be the supporters group. <laughs> it will be all St. Louis guys. <laughs> well, I, I think only maybe Pat McBride and myself are the only two still alive. Oh, okay. Well. Well, that's why you're on it, and so you're going to get a lot more St. Louis involved. Involved, yeah. So, so yeah. So we we, we know you you probably have some delicious dinner cooked up here waiting for you in a little bit. So we, we don't want to keep you too long. No, I'm going to uh, stop at White Castle on the way home. Oh, it, it doesn't get more St. Louis than that. Um, what's what's next for Altrost? What what are you doing around the game? What are you doing with the game? Or are you just in uh, you in fan mode? What what's what what's next? No, I'm I'm pretty much in fan mode. I haven't uh, like I said earlier, I haven't taken up golf. Uh, I do on a on occasion, but not very good at it, um, or pickleball or anything like that. I I still get called upon to come into Parkway and sub, and ever since COVID, they've been hurting for subs. So like I said, I'd love getting in back That's into awesome. the classroom and the kids see me coming in. It's like, Oh, oh here comes Mr. Trosty. <laughs> well, you, you also got, you got seven grandkids, four up East, three are here. Yeah. The three, um, the three here are, um, uh, my, my oldest Dylan, he, he's a player at CBC and he, and, he, and uh, he'll be, he's a sophomore this year. So he'll nice. be a junior next year. Um, but he, you know he's turned out to be a pretty good player. You got some uh, good players. Uh, you got some good grandkids. Th- those kids are hammers. So you got <laughs> you got you got a lot of soccer watching in your future. Well, his two sisters are not soccer players. They're they're <laughs> they're in the theater. So, well, so. that's fun too. <laughs> oh yeah, I love I love going to see him. That's awesome, Al. Thank you. Thanks. We really appreciate your time. Um, we'll, we'll be in touch. Um, you know, because you, we, we, we love actually Shep Messing. I'm sure you still do. You still speak with Shep. Uh, we talked a couple months ago. You know, we, we, we troll him on Twitter. You have to tell him that we're not freaks. That we actually know what we're doing. Would love to talk to him as well, uh, because I've I've heard from a couple people that are like. He has a secret love affair for St. Louis players. He does. <laughs> he does. Because <laughs> so. we, we did a we did a Zoom reunion with with the '72 Olympic team, and he was the first on it. He, he that's awesome. He, he was he's a great guy. He showed up my at my induction up in New York when the Hall of Fame was up there. He showed up uh, to come out to see me and support me. He's that's just great. a great guy. I love. See, I love those stories, Jared. I've had a blast. This is great. I mean, we yeah. had five Herman Trophy winners in a row from 69 to 73. KC's got three goals. <laughs> and three red cards. I think. Yeah. They, they, <laughs> Maybe four. We had five in a row. And 17 cease and desist with letters. So, Al, thank you. Have a great evening. Uh, Thanks, we'll, we'll be seeing you around the, feet, around the pitch. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Jared, as always, thank you for your due diligence and your fine line of questioning uh i i would pass on the singing next time so we're, we're going to talk about that later uh you just played a song i can't sing so <laughs> i did that on purpose thank you for listening give us a follow send it to a friend spread it around we love those reviews shoot us some one stars you know because we are literally a perfect 5.0 um, and it's going to our head so a one star review will help us get it down to four nine um and Keep up because we got some amazing guests coming up here in the next 30, 60 days that you're definitely going to hear from. And uh, again, parting goodbye. Thank you, Al. Have a great evening. Thanks, JV. And uh, we'll Thanks, see you, everybody next time. Enjoy your White Castle. Thank you.